is the errors that get deep down in your code base that are the toughest to wash out. How? Use new fashion smashing with exclusive learning action. Bugs just float away with smashing. So help your family's code stay spotless with easy to use smashing. In this episode of the Smashing Podcast, we're talking about VisBug. How is it different from the array of options already found in Chrome DevTools? We talked to its creator, Adam Argyle, to find out. But first, did you know that Smashing Magazine publishes brand new articles to the website throughout your working week? There's a lot to keep up with, but we're here to help. It's your weekly update. In Hopin, the conference platform we use for our online events, event producer Amanda Annandale discusses how Smashing went about transitioning Smashing workshops from successful in-person events to radically reimagined online sessions that aim to keep the same spirit that Smashing is loved for. Find out how events platform Hopin was central to that process. Stephanie Eccles offers up a primer on CSS container queries, just as the prototype of the long-awaited query lands in Chrome Canary and is available for experimentation. Stephanie looks at what problem is being solved by this new edition, shows us how container queries work, and demonstrates how they compare with and complement existing CSS features for layout. In a new series of frustrating design patterns that need fixing, Fiddly Friedman looks at the infamous birthday picker. Every time you apply for a job or open a bank account or book a flight, you probably have to type in your date of birth, and the experience can often be frustrating. Fiddly looks at where these interactions fall down and suggests some well-researched alternatives. Attila Fasina gives us Tree Shaking, a reference guide. Tree Shaking is a must-have performance optimization when bundling JavaScript. In this article, Attila dives deep on exactly how it works and how the specs and practice intertwine to make bundles leaner and more performant. Plus, you'll get a tree-shaking checklist to use for your projects. And in how we improved our core web vitals, Bo Hartshorn gives a case study of how he took a poorly performing site and improved the core web vitals scores in preparation for Google's page experience update rolling out this June. If understanding web vitals is all new to you, or if you just don't know what to do with the information the tool is giving you, this makes for a great read. And that is your weekly update. Find all these and more at smashingmagazine.com slash articles. He's a bright, passionate punk engineer with an adoration for the web who prefers using his skills for best-in-class UI and UX and empowering those around him. He's worked at small and large companies and is currently a developer advocate working at Google on Chrome. He's a member of the CSS Working Group and the creator of Visbug, a design debugging tool. So we know he knows his way around design and UX, but did you know he owns more pairs of flip-flops than any living biped? My smashing friends, please welcome Adam Argyle. Hello. Hi, Adam. How are you? Oh, I am smashing. You know it. (laughs) It's good to hear. So um, I wanted to talk to you today about your project, Visbug, um, and generally about the concept behind 
design debugging uh, and how it might fit into project workflows. I mean, we, we've had developer-focused browser debugging tools for a long time, I mean, probably more than a decade now. Um, but those are obviously very much focused on code. So what is different about Visbug and what's the sort of problem that it's trying to solve? Awesome. Yeah, it, the main problem that it's rooted in is as a front-end engineer, I work with designers all the time. And I always loved this moment where we sat down and, I, and I'd be like, okay, I'm making the final touches. Uh, you know, we've got like another day or two till we deploy. So designers, sit down and would you critique this? I want you to open up my local host version on your browser and on your phone or whatever and uh, talk to me. Talk to me about what you see. And after doing this for many years and always loving this interaction, I kind of started to feel guilty after a while because of how common and and simple the tasks were. They'd be like one pixel down here, you know, five pixels margin here. And it was always nits and nudges, nits and nudges to spacing and type. I mean, rarely was it like, ooh, hold one minute while I spend 30 minutes changing some Angular or whatever to like, you know, adjust my DOM so that the DOM can support your request or whatever. It was usually tiny stuff. And then I ended up making like a survey and I was like, I surveyed all these designers at Google and I was like, when you open up DevTools, what do you do? Um, and it kind of was resounding that they just needed basics. And so it was born out of, I was like, this is, this should be easier. You shouldn't have to pop the hood on the Ferrari, you know, move a chunk of engine just to change the color of the car seats. Like, that's not fair. You should just be able to touch the car's seats and change the color, just like a design tool. I was like, something could facilitate this workflow. And I was like, okay, I guess I'll hack on something to see if I can create this illusion. Um, and that's how it all started. It really started with spacing and then typography and once I had these, like a selection mechanism down that emulated design tools, it was like, well, what else can I do? And it just kept going from there. But yeah, born in that moment. So the idea is that the, the client asks you to make the logo bigger and um, Visbug helps the browser behave more like a design tool for making those sorts of tweaks. So closer yep. to something like Illustrator or Photoshop or Figma or, or any of these types of things. Yeah, that use case is a good one, too, because you could be with a client and they say, oh, we love this. This is so classic. We love the design, but that color blue is hard for us. And you're like, really? Like, this is all this is like people can submit a form and you can make money. But you want to talk to me about blue right now? And, <laughs> you know, usually it would create a whole cycle. The PM would go, OK, we'll take down your request and then we'll send it to design. But if the designer is there and it's their browser that's showing it, they'd be like, OK, well, I'll just click the thing and change the color. And you can nip an entire cycle of work by just prototyping the change there in the browser. So it is. It's most effective against an existing product, right? Because it's a debugging tool. It's not necessarily a generation tool. It doesn't create a site for you. It can, but it's kind of awkward. So technically, it's uh, an extension that you install in a Chrome browser. Is that right? Yep. And it's an extension. When you launch it, it downloads a JavaScript file that says, here's a custom element called visbug. And then you put the DOM element vis-bug on the page and poof, I just take uh, that moment and turn it into a toolbar and start to listen to events on the page. I listen to your hover events. I listen to your click events. And I, I try to do my best to intercept them and not compete with your main page. But um, yeah, that's the essence. The only reason it's an extension is just so it's easy to put on your page. Although at this point, it does have some settings now that come with you across browsers, but it's still mostly like 99.9% .9 a custom element with no dependencies. I think I have like a color library I use and 
it's otherwise just all vanilla yeah i guess that's how um firebug sort of started out wasn't it as a firefox extension back in the day yeah that's why it's called Visbug. It's very much inspired by Firebug, but for visual ah, designers. There we go. I mean, this isn't perhaps the ideal format being an audio podcast to talk about a, a visual tool. Um, but run us through, if you will, some of the sort of tools and, and the options that, that Visbug gives you. Absolutely. So one of the first things that Visbug does, and you can also, if you are at home or at a computer, you can go to visbug.web.app and try Visbug without the extension. Right? It's a web component. So I've loaded up a web page for you here at visbug.web.app that looks like it's got a whole bunch of artboards. And and then, of course, Visbug preloaded. And the goal of this site is to let you play and explore and delete. Like, I think the delete key is one of the most satisfying tools to begin with. You're like, what can I do to a page? And you're like, well, I can destroy it. <laughs> and I made it so that you can hold delete. It will find the next note, which is pretty typical in a delete. You delete something and it selects the next sibling. So it'll select the next sibling forever if you hold delete until you delete the whole bit. Anyway, very satisfying. Hit refresh and it all comes back. Um, <laughs> but the first tool that Visbug ships with, so when you just launch it, is the guides tool. And I used to literally hold up paper to my screen um, or I would go get a system extension that would allow me to sort of mark things and create lines. Because, yeah, alignment becomes very optical at a certain point for a lot of designers, right? They don't want necessarily mathematical alignment, right? This is why typography has um, optical kerning. It's not math kerning. This is human kerning. Um, and so the guides tool is rooted in that a lot of nits that happen from a designer are zooming in on stuff, checking alignment. Is the spacing um, good? So that's the second thing that the guides tool does. When you launch it and you just hover on stuff, you'll see uh, the element that you're hovered on gets a little box around it. And then dashed guides show up just like rulers would normally do. And just like in Sketch and um, um, Zeppelin, where you sort of hover and you get these guides, it's the same concept, just live on your page. And if you click something um, and then hover to a new destination, you get measuring tools. And the measuring tools are in pixels and they're calculated. Um, it's like visually, like how many pixels are between it. Not like what did someone say? It's not adding up all the spacing. It's just you click this thing and it's this far away from that other box. And I think that becomes really helpful because you can hold shift and continue clicking and essentially verify that you have equal spacing between five icons and just a couple of clicks. Don't have to know code. Just launch Visbug, hover, click, click, click. And you get to see that, oh, look, it is yeah, 15 pixels between each of these. Um, or sometimes you get something that's kind of annoying, like you'll click in a box and then click its parent box and you'll realize that its top distance is nine and the bottom one is eight and you go oh, how will i center this <laughs> it is somehow in between and you know shakes fist but at least you're able to see it nice and easily um with the guide stool so yeah it's the guide stool i've definitely been there with holding up bits of paper to the screen and also uh, the other the trick that i would use is to open another browser window and use the edge of the window to <laughs> to align <laughs> items and and then you sort of try and keep everything in the right place so that as you make a code change and refresh, that it's all still lining up. Um, yeah, it, not not an ideal way of working. So Not an ideal way of working. Yeah, and there's a, the next, so the, oh, and the first version of it was um, very loose, like it didn't snap. Um, it would just like let you just, it just held up a crosshair, which is a feature that I'll add back later. So some users are like, hey, I love the snapping. Um, you know, it's just like my design tools, but what if I want like a loose measurement or I want to you know do like a letter like I want to measure a letter like not its letter box and so a tool 
uh, could very easily, or this guides tool could very easily be changed to having an, a modifier key. So here's where Visbug gets a little kind of uh, different, but also hopefully familiar, is it's very heavy on hotkey modifiers. So just like if you watch a pro designer, um, they're very much hotkey savvy. And they're hitting hotkeys here, zooming in, hitting hotkeys over there, and just doing all their nudging from their keyboard. And so Visbug is very keyboard-centric in the way that you change things. It's also because Visbug is allows multiple selections, and it can change 100 items spacing at the same time. Um, and it does so relatively. So anyway, it has a couple interesting quirks, but the keyboard and a modifier concept is really important. And you can hold Option or Shift or Command in a lot of the tools and get something different or get a new sort of feature in there so it's one of those tools where it really pays to learn the keyboard shortcuts it does and if you hover so when you launch Fizzbug and you hover over one of the tool icons you'll get a breakdown it throws out a little flyout menu it says the hot key for choosing this tool and it tells you what it can do and what interactions uh to do in order to get them so the guides tool says element guides just hover uh, measure something click and then hover something new sticky measurements or shift plus click so they'll persist um, and these things like these guides are really nice too for screenshotting. So if you're reviewing a PR, um, even as just a front end engineer or maybe a designer reviewing a PR, it's going to be a really powerful way to you uh, for you to get in there and yeah, have some high fidelity inspection. <laughs> uh, which kind of leads us into the next tool. Do you want to hear about the next tool? Yeah, sure. <laughs> Let's go for it. <laughs> awesome. The next one is the inspect tool. And this one is like uh, designers usually uh, they don't want all of the CSS. Right when they inspect with, uh, I almost said Firebug, but like the Chrome Dev Tools, like you get the you get the full list, right? I selected this H one, and it's like here's everything all the way back to the browser style sheet and the designer site. The browser, what? The browser has a style sheet down um, down at the murky bottom of that, the of murky that scrolling bottom, right? panel. Yeah, <laughs> it's like you peeled back all the layers, and then you're like, ooh, I don't like these layers anymore. <laughs> um, and the inspect tool here it says, ah, designers, I know what you want. It's just the border color, like basically only show me something if it's unique. So don't, don't just cover me with CSS properties. And I'm really mostly interested in color, typography, and spacing. So I'm going to look at margins, line heights, font family is really important, right? There's a whole extension just to tell you what the font family is on a page. And Visbug, that's just a line item in the inspect tool. So you just launch Visbug, inspect, and hover on any typography, and it'll tell you the font family. So yeah, it tries to make it designer focused in what it surfaces. Yeah. So that tool is um, not showing any inherited styles. Is that right? That is correct, unless they are inherited and unique. So like if they uh, like a like a text color or something, if the text color isn't literally the word inherit, it will tell you that it's a computed value that is something interesting. Yeah, that's really useful. Just. Uh... Yes, helps you focus on the things that are just literally applying to that uh, that one instance of something, which is obviously what you wanted to to change. I mean, I, I guess this could be really useful. All these these tools be really useful in uh, sort of as you mentioned, getting stakeholder feedback um, and sort of working interact interactively with a client. I guess it would work equally well over screen sharing as as we have to do these days uh, yeah. more and more. Uh, you, you don't have to be sat at a computer with someone. You could be uh, sat on the other end of a call and, and share your browser and, and do it that way. I guess it'd be quite quite an effective way of getting feedback when um, when a, a client can't point to the screen and say, "Definitely, oh, this." It's always magical when you like turn the live web page into what looks like a Zeppelin artboard. 
someone's like, what did we just go somewhere new? And you're like, no, this is your product. We're just, uh, we're just interacting with it uh, very visually. And yeah, it can be really nice. Are there any other interesting use cases that you've seen Visbug put to, or that you uh, have occurred to you might be, uh, might be interesting? Yeah. So yeah, there's, there's so many, it's kind of hard to start like a uh, one that's important is developer to developer communication. Um, Visbug works on the calculated values. So it doesn't in like look at your authored values and that can be really nice because you're sort of measuring and inspecting the, the absolute end result into the way that the pixels got calculated, calculated on the screen. And that can be really nice to have a conversation that way as you, um, is you're working on the results as opposed to the authoring side. And, and you can go back towards like, okay, well, how did we go wrong in the authoring side if this is what we got uh, visually? Which also kind of plays into like the next tool is the accessibility inspect tool. So the inspect tool makes it easy just to see the styles on an element and it breaks them down um, in a very designer-friendly way. The accessibility tool helps you inspect all of the elements on the page and it surfaces any accessible properties it has, um, which makes it, I'm hoping, easier to go verify that something is done. So like a PR and things often get created. So this is again, developer, developer, designer, developer, you're reviewing interfaces. It's just so critical. If you're looking at an interface and you're curious, um, Visbug has a use case for you there. And there's also use cases where you can sort of prototype in the browser. So we talked about one where it's like the client wanted to try blue. Okay. That's a pretty easy scenario. Um, but there's other ones too. Like if you hit command D on Visbug, you'll duplicate an element and it doesn't care what you're duplicating. So you could duplicate a header, go add some spacing between the two headers and go make a variant live in the browser. You double click the header text and it becomes an editable text field. You go try a new headline out and go see how the headline fits, go adjust some spacing. And uh, you just saved yourself all this developer work, um, you know, finding a source file and all that sort of stuff. And you're just, t so, okay, yeah, it can help you explore and verify um, yeah, it ha it's it's kind of a weird, I mean, it's a lot of the things DevTools does, right? It comes in after you're done. It doesn't actually give you source code very often. Like it's not very often that you copy code out of DevTools. Like you might copy a key value pair, like, oh, I changed this style, but hmm. um, yeah, anyway. Yeah, it's, uh, I, I can think of sort of particularly um, uh, visual cases where you might want to, you mentioned duplicating items, you might want to take a whole section of the page and duplicate it to simulate what it would be like if there was a lot more content than you were expecting. <gasps> yes, that's the chaos but, testing use case. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, which is something that we all have to deal with designing with uh, with sort of CMS-based systems and uh, and all those sorts of uh, fun fun tasks. Yeah, um, that's, a, that's a really crucial use case too because I do that one for, um, yeah, headlines, like I said, you just double-click some text and I just go slam the keyboard, blah, 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 and hit a bunch of spaces, blah, blah, and I'm like, <laughs> okay, how'd the layout do? <laughs> oh, it did good. You know, like, okay, good. I can move on to the next thing. What happens if I duplicate this four times? You know, does there still space between everything? Does it flow next to the next item? Um, it can be really nice for that simulation of the, yeah, content chaos, uh, really short titles, really long titles, you know, has no friends, has a million friends. Like, how do you handle these use cases in the UI? Yep. So it works with any uh, browser-based content. So PWAs as, as well as regular web pages. Yes, it does. So if you have Spotify installed, I do this all the time. I've got Spotify installed and I'll just be like, Spotify, you look like you're an impossible app to inspect. But guess what? Visbug don't care. Visbug overlays all your stuff, inspects all the typography. I made a uh, a light theme 
for oh i have a tweet somewhere where i made a light theme of spotify oh this was another use case right for like prototyping color like i can create a light theme on the product itself without having to go mess with a bunch of sticker sheets right so there's like this important like even mentality i'd love visbug to help folks get into which is like use your product as a playground like use that as it is so real it's more real than your design comps are so spend some more time in there i think you'll find that um you can make more effective design decisions uh, working on your actual product and the um the case of accessibility as well is um particularly interesting um because often particularly these days we're working very much in like component libraries and looking at small components of a page uh, and l spending less time looking at all those integrated together to create the sort of views that a customer actually interacts with. Um, and it gets really difficult to uh, keep an eye on those sort of finer details like um, accessibility things, you know, attributes that aren't visible on the page. Um, it's very difficult to keep an eye on things that aren't, vi <laughs> aren't visible. Yeah. Um, so this is where where tooling can can really, really help. Um, to be able to inspect something and, and see that, yes, it, it's got the correct roles on it. And it's, it does. Yeah. That's the exact use case. I want a PM to be able to go verify this stuff. I want a designer to be able to go look at accessibility and not have to pop open the tools, find the DOM node. You know, it's all crunched up in the elements panel and looking weird. Um, that it just says, here's the ARIA attributes. Here's the title, if it exists. Um, there's also some other accessibility tools too, like Visbug ships with the search icon. The search icon has multiple ways to interact with it. So first, it queries the page. So if you know the element type or the element class name that you want, you can just search it so you don't have to find it with the mouse. But that also has slash commands in it. So there's plugins in Visbug, and they'll execute scripts on the page. So if you've ever had like a bookmark that you've saved like three or four books, you're like, I'm going to use this one because it highlights all the borders and shows me my boxes. It's like a debug trick or something. It's probably a Visbug plugin. So you launch Visbug. Uh, hit slash and you'll get autocomplete and it'll show you all the different plugins. And there's some accessibility ones that are really nice that overlay errors um, and various things like that. So I agree. Accessibility should be um, more accessible. That's just lame to say, but <laughs> it needs to be um, closer to the tool belt. And I think sometimes it's too far away and maybe that's why it gets missed. So I'm hoping if it's a little more upfront and center and easier that it gets checked more. Yeah, and it's interesting you say that uh, Visbug works with the um, the sort of computed uh, values of, of things, so like colors. Um, so does that does that mean that if you have several layered elements that have different levels of um, uh, of opacity, that you'd be able to measure the exact color that, that is being rendered on the screen rather than Ooh. looking at the individual elements and trying to somehow work it out? That's a really good question. So. I think if I'm understanding the correct, uh, question right, which is, is this like a classic um, difficulty in the front end is, yeah, how do you know if you have like a half opa op opaque text word, what is its color over gray versus over white? And how do you know its contrast? Um, right now, we don't know. So Visbug knows the color and it'll say, you know, 50% gray or whatever the color is that you have there. But it doesn't know anything smarter than that. Like, it's not able to... Like, I think what you'd have to do in that case is create a canvas, uh, paint all the layers on there, and then use, like, an eyedropper or, like, a... pick. So you'd render it in canvas, make them all smash together into a single painted layer, and then go pluck the single pixel value out to see what its actual end computed gray is after it's been layered on the other stuff. It's, I think... 
I think someone specced it or it's like, maybe I have it as a GitHub issue that it would be nice because Visbug could facilitate this like 100% Visbug behind the scenes. I've already done one with text metrics where you hover on things and it gives you crazy rad information about the fonts. Uh, it's almost too much info, you know, like uh, X height and cap height, but it goes even more and it's like, ooh, I'm kind of turned off at a certain point. So I have to figure out how to find the signal versus noise there. Um, but yeah, th I like this thought process because we should have a tool that does that. And if we know how to compute it, uh, we can teach Fizzbug to do it. And that would be a really cool feature to have like opacity, a relevant um, calculated color. Yeah, I mean, it's, Love it's it. the, uh, the sort of standard case of um, having text against a background where you're not sure if the, the contrast is enough to pass the, the accessibility requirements. And perhaps it's yeah. not, perhaps it's too low contrast. And you want to then tweak the values till you get it just to the point where the contrast is good, but it's not drifted too far away from what the client initially wanted in terms of brand colors. and things. I call that bump, bump till you pass. Um, <laughs> yeah. Because that's what it feels like. I'm like, ooh, I'm a little short on the, scar the score. So it's like, I'll go to my HSL lightness. And I'll just like, bump, 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 and watch the little numbers tick up until it's like, ding, <laughs> I got a green check mark. I'm like, okay, cool. And yeah, sometimes so that color is not cool. So... Have you studied much of the um, 3.0 perceptual um, accessibility work that's going on so that we'll no longer have AA or AAA, we'll have one number, and it includes things like font thinness. So like if it's a thin font, it will get you know a, a lower score. If it's a thick font, it goes... Because there's a lot that goes into contrast. Yeah, no, I hadn't I hadn't seen any of that. That sounds... Anyway, it's, it's a really cool thing to explore. That sounds fascinating, yes. I have to find someone to talk to about that. It's <laughs> another another episode. <laughs> um, so uh, I, I'm, I mean, I'm sure some developers might argue that everything that Visbug is doing, you can just do through like the CSS panel in in DevTools, um, and I think that's sort of fair, but probably misses the point. Um, in that, yes, you you are manipulating CSS in a, you know when you're when you're making changes. Um, but it's putting a, a sort of designer-focused user interface on top rather than a developer-focused interface. Is that a fair characterization of it? That's a really fair one. And honestly, the best ideas uh, graduate out of Visbug into DevTools, and they already have. So like um, Visbug, if you hit Command-Option-C on any element, it takes every computed style, at least that's unique again. So it's like, we'll do ones that we're not just give you all these inherited properties, but it puts them all on your clipboard. And you can go paste that style uh, somewhere else in a style sheet and a code pen and literally recreate the element in like a couple clicks. And those sort of interactions have made their way into DevTools, into that elements panel. There's other things, though, that haven't, which is um, the DevTools is a single node inspection uh, only tool. And Fizzbug follows the design tool mantra, which is, no, I should be able to multi-select. I need to be able to bulk edit, bulk inspect. And so... I use uh, Visbug all the time for spacing because I can highlight multiple elements and see margin collapsing. Like in DevTools, you can't ever see it because you can only see one node at a time most of the time. Although there's ways to show multiple margins, but it's it's not the same. Um, and so, yeah, it's it has these like niche use cases that can be really fun like that. Like another one is like if you highlight... Uh, Let's say you have a typography system and you have H1 through H7, like in a storybook or something like that. You can highlight all of them in Fizzbug, hold shift, just click all of them, boop, 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 go to the typography tool and hit up or down, and it makes a relative change to each of them. 
So each of them will nudge up one or down one. And that's just not something that DevTools makes very easy. Um, and so, yeah, it has some super powers like that because um, it's a little more agnostic and it's prepared to always iterate on an array. Um, yeah. So what was the, the origin of, uh, of Visbug? And now is it just a, is it a personal project or is it a, a Google project or what, what's the status of it? Yeah. Uh, so for state, uh, status is it is a Google project. Its primary goal is to be a place to prototype and explore before things go into dev tools. Um, at least from the Google side of things, but from my personal side of things, I still see it as a place to go bake in the, the common tasks or to bake in some optimizations to get through common tasks and just to give a wider audience and uh, a way to look into the DOM. Like, I really think that the dev tools is super powerful, but it's very intimidating. Just one tab in it could take a career to like learn. Like, and I'm still learning things in dev tools and I use them all the time. Um, and so, yeah, this is kind of a different audience in some ways. It's the more the beginners, the folks coming in, or maybe even folks who uh, like PMs, managers that don't ever intend to code, but are interested in the output. So it kind of gives them, yeah, just light tooling to get into there. It's an interesting uh, point you bring up because I personally often find that I, I struggle to find a comfortable workflow um, in managing all these sort of uh, dev tools. Um, in, you've got all these little claustrophobic panels and you can detach them into another window, but then you're having to keep track of two different windows. And once you've got yep. a few browser windows open you can't you know you focus one and you don't know which dev tools belongs to it um it, and then within the panels themselves it's kind of a, a sort of bit of a wild west of of user interface conventions you know you'll, you'll scroll and <laughs> and things will start doing strange things that you didn't expect and in terms of user experience i feel like it's all just a, a big mess it is yeah do you think that's do you think that's unavoidable could can it be better I definitely have thoughts here. And yeah, I think a good, a good, so like, let's say you have a listener right now that's like, I'm pretty savvy with the dev tools. I don't think they're that crazy. Um, I'd, I'd say, okay, go open up Android Studio or Xcode, begin a project and go look at the dev tools, go look at the output. How familiar do you feel right now? Probably very foreign. You're looking at that going, this is garbage. Why do they do this? Why is this panel over here? You know, and your mind starts to race with all these questions, why and confusion. And it's like, well, that's how everyone feels the first time they open DevTools. So you got to really um, kind of be empathetic to that. Is it inevitable that, you know, can we do better or is this just the, the sort of natural order of things? So uh, here's my current take on this is um, I think complexity is really easy to find yourself to getting into. And DevTools is one of those things that are just naturally complex. There's like no good UI to facilitate a lot of these things. A lot of things, these things get built by devs. Um, and I think devs building tools for devs is fine that, because you're going to have, if it's the only way or if it's if even if it's like a good way, um, you're going to learn it and you'll get good at it and you'll get comfy with it. And all dev tools are kind of weird and because they're made for like their weird use cases, right? Like development is weird. Let's just be honest. We make <laughs> invisible cogs and invisible two by fours and we build houses basically with like invisible virtual parts. Um, so yeah, we need weird tools to go inspect these things and to tell us what they're outputting. Now, that being said, um, what Visbug does and what has been, I've been kind of slowly moving things into DevTools as, is smaller tools that are more focused 
as opposed to a big tool that claims to do a lot. I think it's hard for uh, things to do a lot really well. I and mean, this is classic uh, argument, right? This is all stars versus specialty versus generalists, specialist versus generalist. Um, neither are always going to be perfect. But what Visbug is trying to do is it has made specialists. So the guides tool just does guides. And that tool will never, never leak into the other tools of the page. And so I'm trying to do that more with DevTools, where DevTools wants to help designers more, which is something Visbug has helped inspire DevTools to see. And the way that I keep introducing things is instead of making a grid editor, for example, like where you can full power of grid in one overlay, uh, right? You could add tracks, remove tracks, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, that sounds really cool and also really complex. I'm like, grid is crazy. There's no way we're going to build a GUI for that. So I'm like, why don't we just handle grid template columns first and the ability to manage the tracks in there, almost like they're chips. Like, what if we could just like add and, and edit and delete them? They're much more physical and less of a string. I'm like, well, what we've done is we've uh, created a micro experience that solves one problem really well and then doesn't leak anywhere else. Um, and it's also really naive. It's like a naive tool. So a good example of that is the angle tool in DevTools. Have you seen that tool yet? No, I haven't. Any angle. So this is, uh, I'm calling these type components. So their CSS is typed and the angle is a type and many functions or many CSS properties will take a type value of angle. And what I was like, well, angles, uh, those are just like a, you know, a wheel, like a clock. Why don't we give someone a GUI so that if they click an angle, they can change an angle and snap it to 45, snap it to 90. Like there's common interactions with just this the unit of angle. And we made a tool for it, and it's super cool. Uh, it looks great. Uh, the interaction's great. Keyboard accessible, the whole nine. And it's like that's a, an example where I think you can make small, focused things that have big impact, but don't necessarily solve some big problem. Um, and yeah, you'll have another tool like Webflow that's trying to create an entire design tool um, and facil facilitate all your CSS. So. I, yeah, I don't know the right answer, but I do know that an approachability uh, factor comes in when things do less. And so it just kind of makes it a little easier. Like Fizzbug, you might only know three tools on it. You only use the guides, the margin tool, and then the accessibility inspect tool. Maybe you never use the move tool or the position tool. Um, just, yeah. I mean, talking of design tools, we've we've seen a big rise in the last few years of tools, things like Figma. Um, which are great for originating new design work in the browser. Yeah. Um, is there overlap there with what, what Figma is doing and what Visbug is trying to do? There's definitely overlap. I think they come at it from different directions. Like one of the things that I'm frustrated with Figma at is not something that Visbug could solve. And I think that uh, design these days, even with the powerful tools and the Flexbox-like layouts that we have, uh, we still don't... I still think we start wrong when we draw a box on a canvas of a certain size. I'm like, sorry, that's just not the web. You're like already not webby. Um, nothing is very content focused. Like if I just drop a paragraph into Figma, it gives it some default styles. And I'm like, why doesn't it do what the web does? Put it in one big long line. <laughs> You're like, contain it somehow, right? Um, and so I don't know. I think that Figma is empowering people to be expressive, limitless, um, what is the phrase I like to use? Um, yeah, okay, it's expression-centric. That's where I think Visbug and a lot of debug tooling is. So yeah, one is empowering expression, 
And the other one is empowering inspection and augmentation. Um, you need both, I think. I think that in one cycle of a product, you're in full expression. You need to not have any um, limiters. You need to feel free, create something exciting, something unique. But then as your product evolves and as more teammates get added and just the thing grows and solidifies, you'll exit a phase of expression and into a phase of maintenance and augmentation and editing, um, at which point your Figma files do two things. They get crusty because your product is more, well, it's real. Your product has made changes and design decisions because it's now in the medium. And so your file starts to look crusty. And then your file also just is constantly chasing production and that's just a pain in the butt. And so Vizbug is sort of like waiting. So in the expression phase, Vizbug's like, I can't help you very much. I'm just sort of, um, I'm not that powerful at expression. But then as you have like a real product, uh, you can inspect it. And yeah, it, it can inspect anything. It has like no limits. It goes into shadow DOM and everything. So um, yeah, I think they're just different mentalities for different phases of products. Yeah. So in, in Visbug, if you uh, have made a whole load of changes, maybe you sat with a client and you've, you've tweaked some spacing and you've changed some colors and uh, you've got it looking exactly how the, the client wants, they're happy. Uh, they obviously now think that, the, that it, all the work has been done. It's done. Um, which, of course, <laughs> is not. And we understand that. But it, what is the path? What is the, the developer journey from, from that point to, I mean, I presume that it's not practical to save or export because you're, there's no way to map um, what you're doing in the browser with those source files that, uh, that originated uh, that, that look. Um, but what's, what's the journey? How do you save or export or is it a case of taking a screenshot or what do you do? Yeah, there's a couple paths here, and I want to reflect quickly on what we do in DevTools. So let's say DevTools, we made a bunch of changes. Um, there is the Changes tab in DevTools. I don't think very many people know about it, which will surface your source file changes and some other changes in there that you could go copy-paste. Um, and yeah, this becomes like a hard thing with like all these tools that are editing code output. They don't have any knowledge of source or authoring files. I mean, maybe they have like source maps, but I think that's a really interesting future if we get to something where like, the output, like the calculated output could be mapped all the way back to like the like uncompiled source. That'd be really cool. But until then, Visbug does do similar to what you do in DevTools, where you'll just copy paste to sort of pieces. But I will share uh, some fun ways to sort of make it even better. So one thing, let's say you made, yeah, header change, color change, and a change over here. You can go to the inspect tool, and when you hover on something, it will show you a delta. It'll say local modifications. And if you hold shift, you can create multiple sticky pinned inspections. And so you'll go to your header, you click it, you hold shift, click your other little box and hold shift to click another little box. And now you have tool tips showing what you changed over the actual items in the page, take a screenshot and ship it to a dev. And they can sort of say, okay, I see you changed margin top to 20 pixels. Uh, I don't use pixels or margin top in my CSS. So <laughs> I'll go ahead and change that to margin block start to rim. Thank you and bye-bye. And that's kind of nice is that the editor didn't have to care or know about the system details. They just got to say something visually and screenshot it. So that workflow is nice. It's pretty hands-off and creates a static asset, which is fine for a lot of changes. Um, but if you had a lot of changes and you like really changed the page and you wanted to save it, there is another extension called, uh, uh, let's see, page single file. 
single file will download the entire current page as a single file HTML element, at which point you could drag that right into Netlify and get yourself a, a hosted version of your prototype. Because what Visbug does is it writes its styles in line on the DOM nodes themselves. So save file comes with it all. And I've got a tweet where I went to GitHub and I made, um, I just totally tweaked the whole site and it looked cool. And I was like, all right, save file. And I saved it, opened it up in a new tab, just dragged it into the new tab. And I was like, well, this is really cool because Visbug's been wanting a feature like this for a while, but it's a whole other extension's responsibility is taking those third-party assets, dealing with all the inline. And anyway, so it's really nice that that exists. And so you can deliver a file if you want to, or host it somewhere and share multiple links to multiple versions of production. You modified production and then shipped it into Netlify and someone can go inspect it. And it's still responsive at that point too, right? These, at that point, it's not a static comp you're sharing. It's still the live responsive. Anyway, it's, it's exciting. I mean, there's like a, there's like a future here that's, I think, really, really interesting and, and not far away. It's just a, it's like we're a little still stuck as designers in our expression land. We're just, we're too happy expressing and we're getting, we're dipping our toes into design systems. But even those I think are starting to get uh, a little heavy for designers. And they're like, Ooh, maybe it's too much system now. I'm like, Oh, I'm getting turned off. I liked making pretty stuff. And it's a whole new job if you're doing design ops or whatever. So I like the, the fact that, um, Visbug takes an approach of, of not being another dev tools panel, um, because the interface, you know, it embeds a, a toolbar on top of your page, just like a, a design tool, um, toolbar. I guess that was a, a deliberate move to make it more familiar to people who are familiar with design tools. Yep. If you've used, you know, paint or Photoshop, they all come that way. And so it was this sort of universal thing that if I put a toolbar on the left that floated over your content, almost everyone's going to be like, well, I'll go hover on these and see what my options are. And here's my tools. And I get to go play. And um, it made a really nice seamless interaction there. I do have a really exciting, almost finished um, enhancement to this. So um, it's so cool to me, but I don't know if everyone else is going to be as excited. And this will be a mode that you can change in your extension settings is how do you want to overlay the page? Because right now, Visbug puts a toolbar right on the browser page, which the page is rendered normal. And I I know this is going to be weird to say that. Okay, so you scroll the page and the content and the body is width to width to width in the browser, right? So it's filling the little viewport. I have a mod where when you launch Visbug, it takes the whole HTML document and shrinks it into an artboard. And it looks like an artboard. It's floating on a shadow on a gray space. You can infinitely (laughs) pan around it. Mm -hmm. So you can scroll away from your page canvas. And um, what it lets you do is see, let's say you have a page that's really long uh, and you want to measure something from the top to the bottom. You can't, you can do that right now, but you'd kind of lose context as you go. Well, in this new Visbug um, Zoom scenario, you hold Option or Alt on your keyboard. You use the mouse wheel or you hit plus minus with your command and you can zoom, you can zoom your web page as if it's an artboard and I try to make it as seamless as it is. And so you're going in and out and you scroll down, you go in and out, measure from the, and Visbug just doesn't care. It keeps drawing computed overlays. You can change spacing because I think it's really important as a designer to see the bird's eye of your page live. Animations are still playing, y'all. Scrollable areas <laughs> are still scrollable, right? Like it's really cool. You're like my whole page in one view. Anyway, so it's almost done. 
Uh, it sounds in, trippy. It's, in, it's <laughs> very trippy, and it's in. I just need to make sure it works cross browser because it's doing some obviously some tricky things to make your live page feel that way. But yeah, amazing. Is it, I mean, I presume that Visbug is fairly regularly updated and and is being progressed. What is it that we might expect to see in the future? Yeah, that's definitely one of the features I'm working on there. I have a feature where, um, so when you click something, you get an overlay with uh, what looks like handles, right? And it's sort of an illusion. It's supposed to make you feel comfortable. Uh, and the intent is to eventually have those handles be draggable. But I have some like some fundamental things I have to solve first, like elements in the browser don't have a width. So if you just start grabbing the width, I have to do work to make that illusion feel right. And, and you might not even get the results you want because it could be a block level element that you're pulling the width smaller and you're not getting reflow of an item next to it. And you might be wondering why. So I have prototypes where you can drag corners, drag elements around, but I really need to focus on um, how the design tools are doing this. They always have this toggle button and it's like, um, I, I, see, what's the toggle called? But it's basically like shrink. I call it shrink wrap, shrink wrap, wrap my element. Like it's the width of this element is the width of its content versus here's the width of my element, stick something in it. So I need something like that in the browser overlaid on the element so that you could choose between these and maybe even something that lets you choose between block and inline so that you could get the results that you want. But ultimately the goal here is that Visbug does not want to be entirely keyword driven. I want you to be able to drag spacing. If you see 12 margin spacing on top, you should be able to reach in and grab it. Whereas right now you have to hit up on the keyboard to specify the top side of the box needs an addition of margin. Um, and so, yeah, I have to I like a couple of quirks to work out in terms of strategy, but it's very much a goal to make it even closer to design tools. And maybe even I will bend in that. It's like, well, if you want to change the width and you're going to get a weird design, there's always ways to get out of it with Visbug. Like the position tool really lets you escape the flow. So flow is ruining your idea. Um, the position tool lets you escape. And so there's it, I, like, if someone was to get really savvy with Visbug, they would blow people's minds because it's sort of unlimited. And it, it's like, what can you bring to the table? It has an expression element to it. Like there is definitely an ex like expressive tactics, but anyway, so uh, long story short is the illusion is we, I just want to make it smaller and smaller and smaller. I want the illusion to just be like, wow, I'm really feeling like a design tool. Um, and then, yeah, some enhancements to exporting would be nice. Um, but also enhancements to exporting from dev tools would be nice. And that doesn't really stop us. So I don't know. I, <laughs> there's a ton of issues. Definitely go vote on them. I think one of the next uh, big features I'd love to do is like green lines. So instead of just showing accessibility overlays on hover to like really indicate some things, um, with green lines and expose more and surface more information. And I don't know. Yeah. So thinking about the process of, of building a Chrome extension like this, um, I mean, presumably it's all implemented in JavaScript. Mm -hmm. um, how much like regular web development is it building a Chrome extension? That's a good question. Um, it's, mm, whew, this is a hard one. It's quirky. Um, first off the, the environment that you get to launch your your code in isn't the browser. Like they don't really give you full access there. You can if you really get tricky with it, which Visbug has a, had to graduate into this even trickier scenario. So right now, like I used to execute in the, this is going to get so fuzzy so fast. 
because um, there's multiple sandboxes for your extension, like for privacy issues, and they make it hard to execute scripts on the actual page, right? Because you don't want someone like submitting your form on when you launch the thing or something and submitting it to themselves or whatever. Like they could, it could be really destructive. Um, so it has some quirks like that. There's like a bridge you have to pass over. And one of them that's been plaguing Visbug is Visbug used to use, so it's all custom elements and custom elements allow you to pass rich data to them as property. So you say like custom element dot foo equals my rich object full of arrays or whatever. And the custom element just gets that as some data on the node itself. But since I'm in this weird little sandbox world, if I try to set something unique like that on my object, essentially it's, um, it's filtered out. They've established that um, certain things can, so like I can pass a string to my custom element, but I can't pass it a rich object. Um, but yeah, other than little quirks like that, once you get the flow down, and if you spend the time to get like a roll-up scenario, which is gonna be like an hour or so of work so that you get live reload in your thing, um, it can become pretty natural. I think Firefox has honestly the best um, extension development experience. If, you've, if you're savvy with the CLI, you can spin something up with like one command and it installs it, gives you these live reload features and gives you debugging tools. It's, it's, it kind of holds your hand through it. It can be really nice, but ultimately it's a little quirky. Um, that's why I do a lot of the work on that uh, demo site that looks like a bunch of artboards mm-hmm. um, because I don't really need a real web page most of the time to do Visbug testing. As long as I've got artboards that simulate various issues or have accessible things to look at and sort of give me the content I need to see, uh, I do a lot of the work right there in the browser as if it's just a normal web application. So Visbug's, Visbug's dev experience is really easy unless you're trying to test it across browser and then it's just it's kind of messy and whatever. <laughs> It's a really interesting uh, insight. So I've been learning all about Visbug today. Um, what have you been learning about lately, Adam? I am still improving my walk skills. So I want to be a Walkman. I'm not talking like the 90s cassette player. Um, <laughs> I'm like, I want to uh, flip veggies and have them, you know, kind of catch fire a little bit in the air, cover them with some delicious spices and just really sear up that garlic and make it crispy, delicious. And then you know, put it on a little bit of rice and slide it towards you and see what you think. So I'm, I'm excited for summer right now because that means I get to whip out the walk and get back into that fast paced, you know, hot uh, cooking environment. And it's really fun. Amazing. That sounds delicious. If you, dear listener, would like to hear more from Adam, you can follow him on Twitter where he's at Argyle Inc. And find his personal website at nerdy.dev. If you want to give Visbug a try, you can find it in the Chrome Web Store. And you can try out the sandbox version at visbug.web.app. Thanks for joining us today, Adam. Did you have any parting words? No, you were really nice. This is really sweet. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. This is Smashing. And that was our podcast. Thank you very much for listening. And if you liked it, please share it with your friends. Find us on the web at smashingmagazine.com, on Twitter at smashingmag, Smashing Magazine on Facebook, or in the supermarket by the cat food.